0: Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. It is so good to be with you in a new place, right? Yeah. I'm excited. This side over here got the memo of just showing up and sitting in the seats. So we we gotta we, we will hopefully fill up this side too a little bit. Uh, but I'm excited and honored to have you guys here. Goodness, it is a good day. As Mr. you spoke already, we are uh, brand new into this room. Uh, we will uh, hopefully be here one to two weeks in this space, and then we are moving to the other wing of the building. So we will make sure you know all about it. But we have. A space of our own, this right now is one we are using while our floors get finished. Uh, They're wooden floors and uh, they're going to be beautiful. And so I'm really excited that this is where we'll be. As Ms. Vivita spoke, uh, we have under everyone's chairs a connect card. And you were standing up when she said it earlier, but yeah, you can go ahead and reach down. Let's, let's practice this together. You can reach down and you can pick that up. There you go. Uh, there's a connect card under your chair. Some of you are like, I haven't been like this all day. You can stretch your legs to the same place. Underneath your chairs in this Connect card, this is a great way for us to connect with you. If you are a guest, maybe this is your first time at Glory Church, we just have a gift for you. And it's a nice little tumbler right over there at that black black table. Maybe you came to Easter and you didn't pick one up. Uh, we'd love to, to give it to you as a gift from us to you. Just fill out that card with as much or little information as you feel confident with. All right, But we would love to know your name. Uh, We'd love to connect with you. Also, if you have never gone to a vision launch, Miss Avita spoke on it, uh, you can also fill out that. And I will tell you, I love sharing the vision and the core beliefs. Core uh, Valleys of Glory Church, so mark that, first you get free food, right, in doing it, and then you get to hear all about uh, Glory Church on the uh, way where you're eating, alright, so it'll be it'll be well worth your time, and that's in a couple of weeks, alright, so you have uh, it'll be the last Sunday of April, I think it's the 28th, 24th hope so, uh, if not, it'll be the last Sunday of April, so you to know but we are this morning in a new place and I just, I don't know if you do this but our new address is 1111 uh west 39th street it's this tiny little thing right here but i'm so excited for it uh when this past week god uh, sort of woke me up this happens a lot um in the middle of the night and i just could not stop thinking about this place Uh, We are only going to be here, our pastor's vision, Uh, only going to be here for a short time. I've told you our dream is to be along Truesad Avenue. Uh, There's a building along there that uh, we are in a lease-to-own contract with, back and forth, trying to get bids and collect information, Uh, but that uh, probably will not happen for the next six, maybe nine months, so here we are. We've signed a short-term lease in this place and this is our home for the next short time. But God did give me um, a little bit of a uh, a goal.
1: And it wasn't like this isn't like a God ordained holy, holy goal. No, this was just great. What do you want? What do you
0: want in this place? Sometimes we, we just are afraid to share the desires of our hearts, uh, mm-hmm. like with, with God, but he literally as our mind becomes like his, he longs for his people to pray great things that they desire. And so here, I have a goal for us in our short time here. Uh, and, and the goal is very, very easy. It's very memorable. It's as cheesy as this. It's going to be united with the address. So you can remember, but all my glory family, I need you to pray this with me, all right? This goal. And so here it is. These are the four things that I'm praying in our short time here. I'm praying for 11 salvations in this room in our short time here, that God would would meet us uh, with, with people who need to hear his love. And then 11 people would come to know Jesus in our short time here. that 11 baptisms would happen. Did you know in our first year at Glory Church, we had 14 salvations. I'm
1: praying yeah. in
0: six months that we get 11. Right. Uh, in our first year of Glory Church, 11 people were baptized. And I'm praying in six months that people would stand up and say, this faith is my own. I want to showcase it. So we got the 30, right? So it's 11-11. Thirty. I'm praying for thirty new families. Yeah. Thirty new families. Now that might sound crazy. Some of you are like I could do that. Oh be a part of it, please. You know, and funny, you have a place here. This isn't just thirty individuals, though a single person is a family unit. But like if you have a family of six, you're not like hey pastor, I knocked off six people. No, you're not one family. <laughs> Alright? And so we are I'm praying in faith that God would grow us to that. And of course you heard we set this goal last month. Then, in order to be sustainably in that new space, our home sure, on so truth, we're praying for an increase of nine thousand dollars in giving. And I like we we talk to the staff like unashamedly. This goes to doing real life ministry, uh, real life outreach. It goes to a home that we can we can call our own. All of that. And so I shared that, that the vision last month. And you guys, we we up, you up the giving to eighty two hundred last month. And that's one month, Yeah, I see Gabby's face. She's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, and so I'm believing in faith that 11 people would come to know the hope of our Savior, that 11 people would come to know the confidence of believer's baptism, that 30 new families would not just say, "I tend to go go but say, "This is my home. This is my family," and that we would grow to a place where we could be set financially stable as a church to have our own space. And to do real ministry like that. I don't know if you've ever been along the Truce, but that's where my home is. Uh, many of us, we live along long truce and, and, and or you know the, the heartache that is there. We want to be there as a church. So this morning, I want to be honest, I'll dive right in. We are starting a new series on relationships, and some of you had no idea, and it, it's okay. Not just relationships as in dating, not just relationships as in family, uh, or, or parents, or kid relationships, or friend relationships. We're talking about all of them. All right? And I will tell you right now at the get-go, this will be... You ready? This will be probably the longest message that I've ever given in for church. Alright, i like to stick with the 30-minute times, but I, I just couldn't with this. Alright? And so some of you you you're you're like, oh great, right. here we go. I promise you won't even notice. Alright? We're, we're gonna use this time, and I'm so excited because the truth that I need you to know is that God longs for you to have relationships that thrive he longs for your relationships to thrive and i mean those of you who have parent wounds he longs for you to thrive with other authority figures but we all know what that wound did to us those of you who have wounds from your past he longs for you to have dating relationships that thrive friendships that thrive he wants for you to walk into a, your workplace and have relationships there that thrive i wrote some of these down like i, I want a relationship that is life-giving god Word. Did you know that you can have a relationship that is shame-killing, sin-killing, hope-providing? He wants that. God longs for that. But I say all of this to counter it with the lure, the desire, of the enemy. God may long for your relationship and pride, but the enemy wants them to simply survive. Survive. And I need you to realize this. Uh, God may say, "I want them to thrive." The enemy is like, "I want them to just survive." Have you ever seen those uh, man versus wild shows, like TV shows? You, there's not much thriving when a guy's trying to live in a drought, right? There's not much thriving when when a shipwreck occurs and he has to like uh, make way for life. There's not much thriving when you're surviving. In fact, have you ever been has your body ever been in survival mode? There's a literal physiological change that happens. Um, I'm in survival mode often, and, uh, and I'm not a kind person when I'm in survival mode. When we're like, all right, let's just get there. Because very literally, your heart starts beating fast. Uh, your, your mental faculties are all focused on getting out, right? Getting through, getting to that end, getting your family there. And though like, your ability may be to envelop other people into that survival mode, you're not very kind to those people while you get to it. Right? Like, I, I think of the times when I drive in a rainstorm on a highway full of people who don't know how to drive in rain. And you're like, come on, people, learn how to drive in the rain. But here I am, the kids are screaming in the back, I have four of them. I, I cannot tell you how many times I have screamed at the top of my lungs, shut up to my kids. Why? Though I want them to survive with me. In survival mode, but we're not very kind, are we? No, because we have one point in it to get through it. We have one thing. We want to get through it to the other side. Survival mode. My strengths are at play. Survival mode is either the fight or flight. And I will knock people down on my way to, to surviving. Like, it will just happen. That's how we are. But the enemy wants that for your relationships. And say, so like, okay, so pastor, how does that look? Well, he wants your Friendships for in a conversation, in a day-to-day life, for you to just be ready to get to the end. You, 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 you want to be with your friends and you care about them, but it's literally all about survival mode, and so you will only go in as far as it's safe for you, and so you survive in your friendships. You'll be there when they are in need, but you don't really open up when you're in need. Some of our couple relationships, survival mode gets you like, let's just make it through this conversation. And you're not really present in it. You just walk through it. Like, let's just make it through. I mean, there's so many times in my family where it's like, can we just make it through this week? The enemy wants us to stay in survival
2: mode. And we
0: think thriving will happen then. But we just keep surviving. We just keep surviving. And this is the negative thing is that a surviving marriage, it it may be present, but you, you play your strengths. Surviving friendship, you may be present, but you play your strengths. And I think we can all realize, Scripture says, what about weaknesses? That that's what Christ is seeing. And we wonder why our relationships, we struggle to see God in them. It might be because we're so quick in survival mode to just play our strengths instead of open up about our weaknesses. We're on guard. We're ready to fight. or flight. But God wants our relationships to thrive for marriages. If you're married in the room, I, I, he t- he takes our intimacy and the enemy just wants us to survive in it. Where where it's all about the end result. That you may have a good sex life, but in your mind, it's really, literally all about the satisfaction at the end. Why? Because you're surviving through it. And so you're like, no, I, no. the enemy wants us to believe all of our interactions. is really just about what I can get out of it in the end. You see, surviving—it's interesting. It's all about the life that we want to get. And so, if you approach a friendship with the life you want to get, you're going to be you are going to survive in that friendship. But thriving is all about the love that we are able to give. Yes. And this is a huge difference because it has nothing about what you get out of life. It has everything about in thriving in Christ what you give. And this is the huge difference as we approach friendships. In a survival mode we're looking for what we can get out
1: of it or how it benefits us so we don't want to hang out with them if our schedule isn't fitting if it's
0: against our agenda then we won't do it because we want to survive the thriving is about the love that you give which is exactly what we've t- titled this whole series uh it's about thriving about changing our relationships from surviving to thriving about thriving in a marriage, living in the intimacy, working in the slowness, the heartache of the pain, instead of just surviving, hoping to get out of it. There's a huge difference. The love that we are able to give. Can I tell you something that you probably already know? Like, you probably already know this. But believers, like, you don't have to survive. Did you realize that? Like Surviving is literally about trying to live or or hoping to achieve something. Do you know that on the cross you achieve, Cheap literally everything that you could have ever hoped for, meaning, purpose, life. Believers, we don't have to survive.
2: We're called to live.
0: Death and end, hopelessness, like that's not something in front of us anymore. Life is. So we are to be thriving in it. So as we get into this morning, I'm really excited because I'm going to start off sharing uh, as we start this whole series on thriving. I'm going to give you a truth that has been transformative in me transformative in my life i mean i i can say that my relationships i have friendships that have been thriving because god has made real this truth and some of you are going to need to write it down before you let your mind process it because you're, you're going to have a hard time all right but this is the truth that has been transformative I, I learned it in college and god has used it in great ways and it is this that god uses healthy sexuality of today to heal broken sexuality of yesterday. Now, some of you are really halted on the word sexuality, and we'll get to this. All right, you're really struggling with that one. This is the hope that we have, though. The reason why I can thrive in friendships is because God uses the healthy sexuality of today to heal the broken sexuality of yesterday. And some of you, you're struggling with the word sexuality. And it's because in our culture, we were taught at a very young age to view sexuality and everything about it with flesh. And flesh is bad. That is sad. That is hard. That is something unmistakable. Like it's a taboo topic. And so the, the hardship behind that is in this box, it is far away from any good relationship that I have. And then in this box, also, every feeling that I have about sexuality, every fear, every concern, every confusion is also now separated from what a good relationship looks like. And in this dichotomy, we wonder why the porn industry is rampant in our culture mm-hmm. in this icon we wonder why like good godly men and women are, are committing adultery why pastors are failing and we wonder and it's because for the longest time we have been really quiet about what real sexuality is and it's been this back burner and i love it i talked i was a youth pastor for a long time we never talk about it but then all of a sudden we put a ring on it and now you can open up the box and it's all of a sudden good and like, how do I work with this? I've never worked with that before in a good way. Like, how does this happen? All of a sudden, put a ring on it, and now I can talk about sexuality in a, in a way that is, is life-giving. Can I just tell you, the word sexuality, Webster loves to just add in our sinful flesh definition, but the word sexuality in its rawest form just means how we connect with others. How we connect. Literally, we were created to not be asexual, which means to be all on your own. You were created to be in community with people. How you connect with people is sexuality in the most rawest, untainted, unsinful form. In, in all of the reality. reality, like you were made to be in community. And so your sexuality is how open, how reserved, so you're more outgoing. All of that is part of it. But for those who are still struggling with this word, you can write this down instead. God uses the healthy connections of today. To heal the broken connections of yesterday. All right, maybe some of you, this feels a little safer to use. We'll get get to the the, the word sexuality later. I mean, maybe at the end of this. Um, But God uses healthy connections. Biblically, this is the whole as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Think about a man with a sword out of battle. All right, he's out of battle, he's fighting, surviving, right? The whole reason you go to battle is to survive, and as he survives with this iron sword, It's fighting, it's hitting, it's doling, all of that. What does he do? He goes back home, he goes back to the tent and they literally sharpen it with other iron, right? Like you take the sword and you can use it with other iron to sharpen it. And in this effect of sharpening the sword, it literally undoes what happened on the battlefield. It literally undoes the doling effects that happened then. It undoes, and that's the beauty thing. The beauty thing, the beautiful thing
1: of our relationships, is that
0: you, in my life, God uses you to undo rewire, change, literally change the way that I think and believe. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. He uses the healthy connection of friendships to heal every bit of broken connection from the past. And I say that because I need you to realize how many broken connections there are in the world. I mean, it's the way of the world to, it's a pattern of the world to have broken connections. And I'm not just talking about the ones that we can think of instantly. When we were abandoned, or when we were neglected, when the times when people betrayed us or lied to us. All of those are very easy, broken connection points. But did you realize, like, at a young age, I learned how to get in my way. And a broken connection was made between me and every authority figure. Think about that. At a young age, I learned how I can make discipline a little easier for me. Or I, can, I learned how to lie to fix things, and a broken connection was made between me and myself and me and other people. At a young age, when you first got friends, and you started doing things with friends that were behind closed doors, and you started lying on behalf of friends, broken connections were made. As we first started dating in our childhood, you remember that first date, and you felt the need to put on a facade a broken connection was made. And we don't realize how many of them in the most smallest and biggest of forms were created. When you struggled at home and learned about pornography and figured out it was this is easier way to not have to deal with people but still feel satisfying, a broken connection was made. I mean, our first years of marriage, my wife and I, as we started applying in Sharpie and teach us in counseling, when we start writing in Sharpie the things that we will do or won't do before we do each other's wounds, a broken connection was made. Because I started putting in Sharpie things that actually worked in Kate and we never spoke about it, a broken connection was made. Every friendship where we, we, we laugh but never cry, a broken connection was made. And we don't realize this, but that is literally the pattern of the world. And I say all of this not to make you feel bad about your life. Not to make you realize that like, that's the lower of the enemy right now is I like, see how far you've gone. Because he didn't even mention things that you've broke, been broken with. I realize that. I didn't mention some of the hard ones. The enemy right now wants to say you are broken because of the pandemic. But i'm saying all of this because around you are the people that god is longing to use to bring the healing that you have been longing to have as iron sharpens iron one man sharpens another and i will tell you literally you help rewrite my fears like my wife god has used healthy sexuality healthy connection with pain, to rewrite a whole lot of who i thought i was my lack of confidence or confidence and that's not, my confidence is found in her. It's found in the Christ, the God that I'm seeing this way through her. And then it's very different. My, my confidence has been rewritten by the friends of their friends of their friends as I confess and share my story. And they say, I see God's glory in you. And I'm like, how? Like, Did didn't you just hear all my crap? And they're like, yes, but I see God's glory in you. Healthy connection, heal the broken one. Yeah. Every single time. And I, so I say all of that because this is beautiful thing. And so we're going to dive this morning into Romans 12, which may be a really weird passage to open up to for relationships. Uh, but I'm really excited about it uh, because we often individualize Romans 12. And I will tell you, anytime you want to individualize scripture, I would challenge you to take a step back and ask if the scripture is supposed to be individualized. Meaning, is it supposed to be just for me to do a lot of it? Because many of the times, it's challenging you to do it with other people, and we don't. We like to individualize it and put that veil of individualism, and we destroy the beauty of it. But Romans 12 is about thriving in relationships, and I'm excited to get there with you. But it's interesting. When you want your life right with God, some of you have done this. The reason you're here today is because of this. When when you feel like you're distant from the Lord, what are the go-to things you want? I want to read my Bible, more. Some of you are like, I just need to pray more. I've got this problem and I just need to go to church so I can learn more. And we have this idea of it's just like what will fix it will be this like up and down relationship with God. But can I tell you why don't we do the Bible? i just read it more than do it, because when you do it more, you'll start realizing that there's like hundreds of one another's, like love one another, bear with one another, confess to one another, pray with one another, encourage one another, exhort one another, provoke one another to good deeds, uh, and all of these things, and every single one of them, is beautiful God knows what he's doing, are access points of healthy connection. I don't know if you, if you like wireless Wi-Fi, every single one of you have Wi-Fi in your home, there's an access point in your home where that can actually go from your house into the the air, right? I don't know It's an access point, so you're like, that's a region. Um, The access point, but literally when you can to one another an access point of healthy connection is made as you bear with one another's burdens an access point and so we overlook this a lot but Romans 12 is way more about thriving relationships than you think and Paul knows exactly what he's doing so it starts off with this Romans 12 verse 1 he says I appeal to you brothers and sisters By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Can I just challenge you right now? Sacrificing is not surviving, right? The the very essence of survival is to stay alive. The very essence of thriving is to sacrifice. It's very different. And so right now, at the very get-go, sacrifice your body as a holy worship, acceptable to God, and he continues in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. There are some of you, you memorize the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might be able to discern God's will, his good, his perfect, his pleasing will. And others, you like to stop right there, right? We like to stop right there and be like, okay, I will be not conformed to this world. I will be. I will renew my mind. I will. And as I it in my mind, I'm now just thinking about myself. Can I tell you that what Paul is trying to do right here is to take the cultural veil of our world that says, uh, my life is is my own, and he's trying to take it off. Literally, think about this. The sin, the the ways of the world is sinful, and we're not to sit in that. It's not only just destructive to you, but literally, sin isolates you from, to other people, right? Literally, sin cannot make you and me close. It won't. And so when he's saying the pattern of this world, rid yourself of it, the only then thing to do next is to live in the community. And some of you are like, gosh, you read way into this. Remember, I mean, this does not say anything about thriving in community. If that were the case, then, then verse 3 and on would have been happening. So you like to take this and forget the context of it. No, you've been transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can thrive in relationships. You ready? This is what he says. Verse 3, For the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, stop thinking of yourself higher than the people. But you think with sober judgment, and each of you with the measure of faith that he's assigned, for as one body has many members... And not all members of the same function, so you who are many are one body in Christ. And he's literally saying, we are to be one. You've been transformed. So renew your mind so that you can see you are one. That's in verse nine. It says, let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection. You see, the reason he wants you to have a renewed mind is so that you can have a healthy connection of love with one another. But that's not it. Outdo one another in showing honor. The world can't do that. Only those with renewed minds. Verse eleven. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient and suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of saints. Let a people offer hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. You see, the way in the world is when someone persecutes me, I persecute back. Yeah. But now that we've not been conformed to that, but transformed, now the healthy connection we can make to those who persecute is a connection of blessing. Like this is very different, what he is showcasing right now. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony. And he keeps going good. Don't just associate with the lowly as you, as if you are high and mighty. But instead, like be be humble. And in verse eighteen, I love it: if it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You never realize this, did you? That the renewal of your mind is so that you can approach people in a way that's bright. Did you know that that's literally the whole section of Romans 12 is to change how you interact with me. You interact with the beggar on the street. You interact with the enemy who hurts your family. You interact with people will be changed by the renewing of your mind. That's the point of this. It's so beautiful and powerful, yet we overlook it all of the time. And he continues as he does this, as we do this, he literally. Heals our wounds. Paul says, You have the ability to overcome evil with good just by the renewing of your mind and starting to live in community, doing it right. But honestly, I want to be a little practical this morning because Paul noticed what he's doing. Don't be conformed, you got to renew. It's very practical, but I'm going to put it in layman's terms. Very easy for us to understand this morning. So I have a very simplified, very simplified formula for how you can start making a healthy connection right now with anyone around you. Are you ready for this? I mean, it's just going to be very simplified. And I'm saying it this way because, like, you need something right now. So it's this. Godly expectations plus godly discernment equals a healthy connection. Like, literally, this is what Paul is saying. Don't be be conformed to the pattern of this world. The world expects a whole lot of things. The world has their way of thinking. You're going to be changed now. A new way of thinking, a new level of expectations with new beliefs. The word expectation just means the ability to, like, believe what will happen. Like, you have a new set of expectations, and so renew your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God? So a godly expectation with godly discernment equals a healthy connection. But I need you to notice: if you you see this, God is on both sides of that plus sign because you, you can't do it alone. Some of you think if I just find, it, I, it, some of you think if I just find the right person, then I will have a healthy relationship. Some of you think if I just find that right friendship, then I. I'm leaving that church because it wasn't right for me. Uh, if I just don't have the right people, then it's not healthy. I will tell you that this has nothing first to do with the other people. It's all about you being able to see, like, God's, it, God is here. He's everywhere. So now I'll be attentive. I'm going to set God Godly expectations, Godly discernment, so that I can make, you know, the right healthy connection. Notice if there's also nothing about them in this. That's why Paul can get away with saying, "Hey, to the enemy, love them. Why? Because no matter what they do, you can still make a healthy connection with them." Does that make, like they, this is the beautiful thing? So you need to realize, to the stranger, the world would say, "Leave them. It's not your responsibility." But in the kingdom of God, you don't. We don't work with the pattern of this world. You've been transformed, so now you can make a healthy connection with the stranger because none of this is on them. Some of you have always felt. I can't be healthy with the people who are unhealthy. They're toxic. No. Listen, you can set a godly expectation on what that relationship looks like. God can give you godly discernment on how you need to maybe distance yourself in presence, but you can continue praying you can continue being. Some of us, we like to throw the toxic card and say, I can't have a healthy connection. But Paul says, as much as it is possible for you, you draw the line of peace.
2: Oh, if they don't,
0: that's okay. I'm going to have gotten the expectations, though. Yeah. I'm going to have a godly discernment on what a healthy connection is right now. And some of you, you've had too many broken connections. Mm-hmm. And you think, if I just find the right people, then it will work. Mm-hmm. Now, there's some work that we have to do. Some expectations that need to change. It's interesting. Uh, Then there's this complicated piece to this. Because the simple equation gets a little complicated. Because what happens when that person is also a believer? They also have this obligation. My wife and I. It's my job to have a godly expectation and a godly discernment so that I can make a healthy connection with her. But it's also her obligation her challenge to have a godly expectation, a godly discernment, to have a healthy connection with me. But the complicated piece, I need you to hear this, is it's up to me and her to do it, but at the end of the day, it's up to me. You need to realize that. It's, it's up to me. See, the way the world sends a relationship is built from 50% them, 50% you, to beyond 100%.
2: Why?
0: <laughs> and literally, like you think, if they're, not, if they're giving 40% today, I'm not. I'm going to give 40%. If they treated me like that, I'm going to treat them like that. If they did that to me, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to literally do a dance. And wherever they move, I'm going to follow. That is so destructive. Yeah, we do it, but we're not going to be the 40 of this world. We're going to be transformed. We're going to ask Jesus in the garden. And he prays, hey, God, I want them to be one as we are one. Do you think Jesus is 50% in, and God's 50%?
2: No.
1: He's
0: 100% in. And God is 100%, and he's praying, I want them to be one with each other, and one with me, as we are one. So at the end of the day, I am 100% committed to you as my church. But this does not mean that I'm like enmeshed and healthy. No, because I have Godly expectations and Godly discernment, and it's going to be the ability to be 100% a healthy connection with you. That doesn't mean I'm always present. If you
1: call me at nine o'clock, I'm not
0: answering all the time, all right? That does not mean Pastor Greg has an unhealthy connection with you. No, it means he has a healthy one. I'm 100% for you, and I will be. But God has given us not the expectations that we have to have one another. And so this is fully up to me to have a good relationship with my wife, just as it is. Her. I need you to realize that God says at the end of the day, right, we're going to present our lives as a living sacrifice. Like, right, let's go back to that. Present our bodies, our lives as a living sacrifice. So they're not doing it as okay. I have a godly expectation that at the end of the day, God's going to show up. I have a godly discernment that will show me how to respond and, and do it accordingly. And so I wrote this down. That my mind is going to be transformed by his word. So I'm going to ask him to change my expectations. I'm not going to expect my wife to fulfill me. I'm not going to expect you guys to validate
1: me. Some of you
0: need to realize I'm not, that you are not going to expect your job to give you your worth. You have to draw correct expectations with the relationships. I'm not going to expect my friends to affirm me. I'm not going to look for my authority figures in my life to validate me. I'm not going to look for my wife or this future couple, the thing that I want in the future to confirm or complete me. No, my expectations will be on a renewing of my mind. My God is my completion. My God is my fulfillment. And so I can love. I can give. It's this very different thing. It's interesting. Broken connections are made from unrealistic expectations. You know? And that's all just unrealistic in a way, like, I expected us, you know, this is the ongoing one. I expected us that it just, we got married and we had a honeymoon phase, and I expected us to just keep going forward in this, and it stopped. That's not going to an unrealistic expectation. Some of you also have an unrealistic expectation that they can't carry your wounds because of the past. That's unrealistic. Because if they have the mind of Christ... And they also have the wisdom yeah. of Christ in them. An unrealistic expectation is that you always are the one that's on call.
2: Yeah.
0: An unrealistic expectation—I mean, they're all around us. It's not just the easy ones. It's sometimes all based off of our past experience. So I love premarital counseling. To. If you were like gonna get engaged, the boys like I'm oh, gonna I'm gonna ask you soon. Cool, hit me up. I love pre marital counseling. It's one of my favorite things to do. I've done it with with multiple couples now, but I'm gonna put you in a counseling session real quick
2: because there's this one
0: thing that hands down I will speak. And if those of you who are single, this applies to every relationship that we have. Are you ready? It is this. There is an element of newness attached onto a godly relationship that we cannot, right, underline that, we cannot bring our past expectations into. I will keep saying this. There is a, uh, I have some friends in the room, I'll call out Brandon in the past, uh, into that, all right? There is an element of newness attached to a friendship that I want with Brandon. That if I come into it with my past expectations, I will forego, I will overlook, I will deny the God who is at work in that man. Because I'm still expecting how other people treat me.
2: Does it make sense? Like, as
0: God is doing something new, we have to expect Him to do something new. There's a new thing happening. And so I sit with couples all the time, and some of them, and their their backgrounds are all different. Some of them have had multiple relationships. Some of them uh, are both virgins. Some of them, one is a virgin, one isn't. Others have have had uh, sex multiple times with each other. And so I get to sit with them all, and I say, if you want a godly marriage after I do, I need you, you gotta leave behind some expectations. Expectations on what role each other you play, in intimacy, expectations on what it looks like, what it feels like, expectation on what it's gonna be, how life-giving or satisfying it is, we we have to realize that things will be different. It's interesting, The metaphor that I used to teach this, and so you're gonna really connect with this metaphor. The metaphor I used to teach this is, think of the guy who grew up in church all his life. And you're like, wow, oh, this changed really quickly. No, this is, I sit with a couple, Think of the guy who grew up in church. His grandma was crazy Jesus when he got out of, out of the womb, right? He, he was prayed over. He was, he was anointed, all of that. Like he, he grew up in church. He knew all the sings, all the prayers. And he sang all the songs, all of that. But it was never his own until he was 25, out on his own. And he met Jesus in his brokenness, and it radically changed him. Now listen, the most damaging thing that he could do at 25 is expect God to be the same God that he thought he knew then. Right now, yes. And this is what when he first had his first breakup at the age of 16, and he's crying, and everyone else says this, and so he's like, "God, please help me." And he felt like he was talking to an empty room. He literally felt like he was distant from God, but he knows he's in church, right? But he didn't know God. So what he could do, that put, that literally put a broken connection between him and the Lord in his thinking. If he now applies every prayer to God now that he knows God, with that expectation, he's going to think God is this brick wall, right? I mean, it's very practical, right? It, things have to change. I also told him, what was this. Maybe he sang this song over and over, oh the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It was just a song, right? But then 25, year 25 happened, he met Jesus and now he worships. Oh the
1: overwhelming.
0: Because it's real. Yeah. Yeah. And so I looked at the couple and I say, you may have sung in the bed sheets many times. <laughs> Together. You may have sung in those bedsheets many times, but for the first time in a godly marriage, you can oh, worship in their bed sheets now that's a very different thing but the most damaging thing to your your intimacy then is to apply on everything from your past because now you're like oh the over what right right and so there's this huge difference there's an element of newness attached to what God is wanting to do with the friend that's next to you that you were paying from yesterday it will it will halt you from going there because you keep expecting the wrong things i wrote this I do want to write this uh, start saying god i expect to be all in awe of you there it's not a slide i but i expect god to be in awe of you there some of you this is the most healing thing you are not expecting to find life-giving friends at glory church but then you did and you realized I'm, I'm carrying one of those burdens, mm-hmm. and I am in awe of God. That's a healthy connection. Mm-hmm. So as we walk into a relationship, and we can say, "God, I expect to be in awe of you here," then you can worship. Because there's some of you who, who you connect with friends based off of shared pains. The world, the enemy wants that. Like uh, connect with someone based off shared pains, so and you can cry in vengeance together,
2: mm-hmm. cry
0: in anger together. But the, the Lord Almighty wants so you to connect with people so that you can worship in victory together. There's this completely different thing. It's interesting. Godly expectations plus godly discernment equals healthy connection. And that's what I'm praying for you guys. Now, as you rewrite, God, is this, is this an expectation on our past? Is this expectation more in line with my pain than it is reality? Is this expectation more in line with how they did it? Am I expecting stuff? And it's only going to cause me to make a broken connection. Or do you give me that clarity? A renewed mind. And so I'm going to leave you with this. I want you to imagine our brains work like this. Uh, band you guys can head on up anytime. Uh, I want you to imagine right now a field of really tall grass. You don't see much of that in the city, uh, but imagine a field of really tall grass. Our brains work really interesting. The first time you had a painful connection with someone, I need you to realize, the first time you had a painful connection with someone, a very clear pathway happened in your brain. Of, I can now expect this to happen. When you were first abandoned, when you were first hurt, when you were first tied to, when you first realized that if I'm going to be validated by a guy, I've got to dress like this. All of those were neurological pathways in our brain that we thought that's how life is. That's how I have to be. That's how it will be. That's how friendships are. That's how marriage will look like. I mean, I've never seen a marriage that that people don't fight. I guess that's how it will be. And as we have this going on in our mind, it starts getting easier to travel now. Have you ever seen like when you're on hiking and you see a path that the deer travel through? And the reason it's so clear is because they travel through it all the time. What happened, sadly, as you started forming connections with people that were broken, it's, hard, it's, it's easier to do it way quicker, way easier
1: when you feel lonely to go back to that website, way quicker, way easier when you feel lonely to push the church away
0: more, because that's the, the, the neurological pathway that you have been in the But the beautiful thing is, as you start remaking new ones. Our brains, they're living organisms, and that grass is not like in real life when there's just no seed there anymore. No. Your brain starts growing the grass to cover up that path that you've traveled. And that is why healthy connections feel broken ones, because as I start realizing what a healthy friendship is, I literally forget what an
1: unhealthy one is. That's what I'm praying for all of you. I'm
0: praying that grass would grow as you pave new streets in your brain, as you write rewrite things. And it's not on your own, it's you confessing. So some of you, you, need to start praying for one another. You need to start, oh, that's going to fall. So you, you need to start confessing your sins. Others of you, you need to start talking out your expectations, processing through it. But I believe that is going to do work. I'm praying for grass to grow. To this series. New ways to Healing from sexual past. Wounds of our, of our past. Wounds of abandonment. Lies that hurt us. That He would be glorified in all. So we pray with me, Jesus, as we close this morning, God, I want to pray right now
2: that you would just, in a radical way, meet us. Remind us that you are
1: healing us. Thank you for all the friendships that you have used
0: to literally rewire my brain. I am the man that I am because of godly men and women who have stood beside me. So, God, I pray that we can have relationships that have godly expectations, godly discernment. That we will be a hundred percent in on it. You get the glory of God. In Your name. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit
2: glorychurchkc.com.